hey, we have a really exciting offer that you need to listen to the entire podcast. At the end of the podcast, you're going to find out how you can get some 33 Shake product for free. And if you're too excited to wait that long, you can go straight to the partners page and click the 33 Shake link there to get the offer, or you can check out the show notes, which Scott will have written to perfection, as he always does. Have you ever read the show notes, Warren? Scott, I, I live for the show notes. I thought so. HealthIQ.com forward slash TRN. Did you say that right? I don't know. Let me try it again. HealthIQ.com forward slash TRN. You need life insurance. If you haven't gotten life insurance, you need it, Don, for you, for your family. You need life insurance. The best place to get it, go to HealthIQ, because what they do is they take A-rated insurance companies and they pair it with people like you that are healthy. Scott, I want great rates, and I think I'm healthy. How do I get involved? Go to healthiq.com forward slash TRN, and you sign up, you fill out an application, and then they will contact you and get you connected with the right insurance companies. In addition to that, as a bonus, that's just not all, Don. As a bonus, they will also put you on their email list. It's a good email list because it's reminders of how you can become and stay healthier. So go to healthiq.com forward slash TRN. You have a select number of days just till the end of the year, December 31st, 2017, to get yourself a pair of Lakey Poles at a 20% discount. You're thinking about poles, and Lakey Poles are the best ones to get. They're strong. They are carbon fiber, and they have a great trigger shark grip. They're super lightweight. You know what, Don? People need to make a New, Year res- New Year's resolution to get a pair of poles and try them out because it will make you a better, stronger runner. Well, you use all four limbs to climb a hill. Now, what can be better than that? So the, so for those of you that have elected only to use two limbs, well, you're at an advantage. We have four. <laughs> <laughs> Go to our partners page and link over. Click on the Lakey banner and link over and get 20% off between now and the end of the year. Ultra Running Magazine. It's the best stocking stuffer you can get a running friend. Get them a subscription for Ultra Running Magazine. Ladies and gentlemen of the wide, worldwide ultra running community, you are listening to nothing less than the greatest trail running nation podcast on earth. It is the Trail Runner Nation podcast. The problem with the message above is that it flies in the face of what we know to be true. We'll Candace, we are such idiots. <laughs> you don't even you you, you have you you have, you have no idea. No, I've uh, I've listened to your podcast for many years, and uh, it's um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do I do own my own bar. Uh, <laughs> every Friday morning on uh, I Run Far, we open up and uh, open up the taps. You're recording this, aren't you, Freeman? I get everything. Good evening, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen of the Trail Runner Nation. This is the World Service broadcasting to you from Studio G in Roseville with Messrs. Donald Freeman, Esquire, and Scott of the War, second, the third. Also joining us is Erica Pohl, all the way from England via Italy, and myself, Warren Paul, I now need to go and get dressed in my morning suit for uh, the rest of the show. I will hand you over to your wonderful Trail Run Nation hosts. Thanks for joining. My name is Scott War. I am Don Freeman. And we have uh, the Poles. 
we in, do. in studio. They have rowed their boat across the pond <laughs> and uh, landed in New York and have slowly made it across this great country of the United States and uh, came to uh, our small town. And we're now enjoying a nice bit of conversation around the table. And instead of across the pond, I'm across the table from the polls, and uh, I kind of like it that way. I, I think before we get started with anything, we need to address the, the elephant in the room. <laughs> Which one? The, the elephant <laughs> of, uh, of hair design. Oh. Uh, we want to know, when, when was the last time you actually did get a haircut, Warren? Well, that, how long ago was that? That might possibly be the last time we met when <laughs> Erica and I were touring uh, 33 Shake across the US for the first time. And I thought for convenience, the good old Don Freeman buzz cut was the way to go. And it is, but it requires maintenance. You have to buzz it every now and again. Sure. So I just stopped. And I have saved a lot of money in um, haircutting fees ever since and also hair product um and i probably at the cost of a little personal dignity along the way but yeah my <laughs> my locks are quite long now I, I, is, is 33 shake not doing that well do we need to get some some people to buy this stuff so you can finally go get a nice decent haircut well, well here is the thing you see <laughs> 33 shake is doing so well I don't have time for a haircut. Oh, okay. I, that, that makes more sense. This, this is the busy entrepreneur look. You, you must understand that. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, we're going to do, uh, we, we decided, we sat down and we said, hey, let's do a podcast. And we are going to do, um, <laughs> we, we were debating on whether to do drop bag or whether to do an audio magazine. And, uh, or a with, grab bag. Or there's, grab there's, bag. There's three of them. And, and they're all so different that uh, we were kind of debating, and, and o- we all had our own sp- favorite. Only in spelling, Scott. We only <laughs> so we're gonna, we decided that we're going to do drop bag tonight. Good, good, good. As drop bag tonight. And uh, as always, we always have our, our guests start the drop bag. Uh, Warren, what, what's on your list? Well, there's a few things on the list here. We've, we've already opened with one of them. Um, we which already did one. We, we, we've started on, on the subject of hair, which I, I just wanted to put out there because having over the last 18 months gone from uh, very short hair my whole life to now hair down to pretty much my shoulders, um, I've learned a lot. It's quite high maintenance with the trail running. So where do we go with running and hair? Where are people on that? Because, for example, Erica has very long hair. And I never understood that for girls, you know, that's quite a big deal. Takes time to dry. How do you manage that sort of thing? Does hair matter? Anton Kropitschka, very, very long hair. Killian Jornet, very short hair. Is there a performance correlation? Have we seen ultra runners who have grown their hair long for great success? Michelle Barton, for example. Have we seen very ultra runners? Hair. Very, very long hair. Very long. Have yeah. we seen ultra runners remove their hair for new results? Um just putting it out there, it's something we all have to deal with. Don Freeman. You, you know, Gary Wang, who has really taken, he's one of our trail members out there, and mm-hmm. he's taken about every stat there is and crunched it down. And I'm surprised he hasn't handled this one, long hair versus short hair, and given us some kind of graph or a, a graphic of some kind, kind of like in the newspaper, USA Today. They have a little graphics at the bottom. I need a short hair, long hair graphic for our trail running And community. I wonder if it's changed over time. If uh, You know, you look at, at, at Gordy Ainsley. He's had long hair since the beginning. Mm. And, and, and the beard. You know, I'm surprised, Warren, you haven't uh, put a little 
beard going there so we could really do the full challenge. It well, was there. It was. <laughs> ah. Absolutely was there. Erica, tell us about the beard. Well, well, what can I not tell about the beard? Because actually it's not very attractive in a way because ah, <laughs> that's the reason there is no time, beard no every time he was eating something especially <laughs> when you're running or something like that is stuck it they stuck on your beard and stuff and so he was coming back with all extra bits he's <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't look he wasn't so getting good. all of the nutrition in his body is what you're telling us I think I think a lot of nutrition they were outside the body, <laughs> so you know. So he had the look of long beard, long hair. Actually, in mid hair, it did look for a little bit like a cocker <laughs> because he has long hair. He, he looked like a, a cocker. A cocker, you know. Cocker spaniel. Okay, cocker thank you. Spaniel. Oh, okay. <laughs> You have different terminology. Sorry, the accent. That's why. That's why we have so <laughs> much fun. That was like, yeah. So he had a very funny, funny. So look, what? What is your personal experience, Warren? Do you like running with the long hair or with the short hair? I quite like the flow with the long hair. It has a nice bounce to it. But you have a problem. It gets <laughs> in your eyes. It's in your face. So do you then wear a hat or or a headband and look like some really entertaining seventies throwback? Um, or, or do you um, just go with it and let it go? Now, I, I had a look, the ponytail top knot look, yeah. as if the long hair wasn't, let's just say, unusual enough. I'm being kind to myself. You can you can call unusual what you like. But, yeah, ponytail top knot, forget it. That That's way, way too out there. I couldn't go that far. So, fortunately, my Trail Runner Nation hat has been a great help. Good, good. But then also, it, it's the washing business. You know, you can't just run and just kind of towel your head dry and forget about it. You've just got this stinky mop on your head for the rest of the day, so you got to you got to deal with it. There's there's an untold work in there, and I think as as men, the three of us here don't realize what Erica and and the rest of the women out there running have to go through to keep themselves looking and smelling as great as they do, and they make it look effortless. And I found it to be very hard. Hmm. Well, actually, it's funny enough about on Runner's World that there was an article about hair and how to you know fix your hair when you're a runner, all about girls, of course. Mm -hmm. There were like like 25 different ways how you can (laughs) make a ponytail (laughs) or, you know, fix your hair that you don't have problem. Ah, interesting. 25, you know, (laughs) so you can have a look. (laughs) Is is the top knot as uh, prolific in the UK as it is here in the US? In certain... Uh, hipster areas absolutely yes is, is okay. that where it's here or, or is it a general a more of a general explosion of the top knot I'm probably not the right person to ask about uh, trends I, I don't know what you're talking about Scott you are wearing a very fetching TRN cap there <laughs> well the, I think it's more uh, set for the millennials uh, you know the top knot yeah. you know with the lumberjack shirt the beard the whole look I think uh, I think they've got the that, that uh, demographic Mm-hmm. More prevalence there. Yeah. Okay. Ready for, ready for topic number two? Yeah, we're ready for topic okay. number two. So this is one that um, I think that everyone can relate to. And we'll go around the room, and then I will give you some um, additional ideas. But waking up, waking up in the morning for an early morning run, mm-hmm. how do you motivate yourself? How do you get out of bed? How do you get motivated to, to actually roll out, put the shoes on, and get out and run. 
what do you do? What are some tactics or strategies to to get you out of bed? So you're throwing that around the table I'm before you come the, up with the yeah definitive answer. Well, there's I, this is an article that I that I read that has some suggestions, hmm. and you may have you may you may hit some of them, but we, we'll see. Well, I'm just I'll, I'll just start off. You know how important is it to put a race on the calendar? I know there's nothing more motivational hmm. about having some impending doom out there unless you train hard. And that's probably why we grab races and put something out there. And we often ask the question to one another, what's up next for you? What are you doing next? And, and we, we just ask that question because it's good to have an end goal in mind, uh, something to train for. And is, is that more of a fear based or, or I would say you don't want, you, you don't, don't want to, you don't want to disappoint yourself or, or end up in a bad spot I'm, at a race. I'm probably trying to avoid the, uh, the pain of not training well okay. because, uh, it's, there's nothing worse on race day than, than just realizing you haven't done the work and you're in awful shape. You've bonked and you've got half the race left. Nothing worse than that. We've all done it. And it's, so I think that, uh, putting a race on the calendar is a, Something to get me going in the morning. So, so here's a question. When that alarm goes off in the morning, does that your your thought immediately go to, I have a big race that's three months away and I need to get out of bed? Absolutely. For me, yes. Yeah, I'm a little too groggy to think that straight <laughs> in the morning. Warren or Erica, what, what about you guys? Well, I, I think one of, the, um, one of the big ones for me, because certainly in the last year, things have been so intense with, with growing 33 Shake that both Erica and I have had less time we haven't either of us done a race in the last year and we're about to start rectifying that going into the next year Mm -hmm. but this means that that hasn't been there so how do you deal in those times where you don't have the fear to drive you there and one of the biggest ones for me was the treat that I was giving myself it's almost a little bit of visualization sure after a hard week then I don't want immediately to get up at 5 30 a.m on Saturday morning to take the train out of central London and get to, there's a place called Box Hill. I mean, it's some of the most beautiful running in, in the whole of the United Kingdom, and it's about an hour and a half uh, outside of London. Hmm. And But what I do know is that when I get there, the treat that I can give myself of running there and getting fresh air and getting this beautiful course and maybe catching up with some friends, so a bit more accountability there, that gets me out of bed in the morning. It's more like a Christmas thing. I'm getting a present. Not, oh, no, i got to go running. Mm-hmm. And I think the point you just made about friends, meeting friends, knowing that Scott's going to be you know, pounding at my door if I'm not up, or uh, at the trailhead, there's going to be, Bob's going to be there, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I've got to be there. So all of a sudden, it's no longer a decision. It's something that it's needs to be done. So accountability. I think uh, a good training partner is helpful. And maybe that training partner is your, your dog. You know, you know, who knows? That, that's actually one of them. Uh, one of the, the the items that this article lists is huh. to get your dog involved. Erica, do you have a, a, a trick? Well, I have to say, I don't have a problem to waking up in the morning. So y- I'm you very, do not? No. Actually, I wake up very like, bing. So it's not a big problem. What I do is like, just put my tracksuit on and I say, let's go for a short walk. No walk, sorry, a short run. And then I see how it goes. And then waking up early in the morning, you're already there, you're running already for 
20 minutes, half an hour, and then you say, you know what, I just keep going <laughs> because there That's is no good. point. You wake up early in the morning, you just start your day, and so there is no point to go back. So I just, not thinking in the morning, I just uh, just do it. Like, uh, And especially if you put already your track suit, uh, everything ready the night before, when in your head you are convinced to say, yes, I'm going to do my run. Everything is ready there to go. So you don't, don't have to think about it. So you just jump out, put your track suit on, and you just go. That is actually the first trick that this article brings up is Yay, to, is, won. <laughs> is, is, is lay everything out the night before it all does. your clothes all, everything that you have make sure it's laid out yeah because you don't have to think about it you just see it and in the morning you just see it is there it's calling you in a way you know just don't put any effort of decisions uh, erica I, I need a bit more definition here what is it your track suit um Running tights. Okay. All right. Just different terminology. Just different. Trade Run Nation t-shirt. Just different My terminology. favorite one. As you can see, I'm wearing it now. <laughs> you in the studios. Uh, and uh, yeah. Good, good. That's it. Okay. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out some others and we'll, we'll decide, we'll vote on whether those are good tactics or not. Um, and we're going to go through these very quickly because there's uh, 20. Oh wow! Scott, <laughs> this is this is an hour podcast. Yeah. I know. Um, set set the alarm in a different room. Oh, or or I like I do. I set multiple alarms. I'll set one on my do you really on my watch, and then I will set a backup uh, with my phone. Okay, Ooh. so that's it. That's so one that thumbs I down on that one. I think that's uh, if you need that to get going, you're you're in bad shape. Go okay, um, I'm going <laughs> to skip some of these because they're um, even worse than that one. Even worse okay. than that one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Can you make, find another one? Yeah, make sure you have your your breakfast ready. This kind of goes along with getting your clothes and everything, everything ready. But have ready have something ready to eat right when you get up. Scott, I, I put put your toothpaste on your toothbrush right next to that <laughs> one. That's that's pretty weak. Well, you I don't I don't eat before a run, so that yeah. will not work for me. Okay. <laughs> um, wind down at night, so uh, you know instead of you know watching the late night talk shows or uh, or sitting in your bed playing with your tablet or your, your phone or Get something to bed like early. that. Wind it down. That's I give a, a, I give a, a thumbs one. up to that, Warren. I would say I'm a big fan of the get to bed early, but sometimes work and other things mean it's not possible. But as long as the kid is out the night before, then and we all know motivation is in great supply the night before and uh, yeah. it's vanished in the morning. <laughs> Everything we're doing here is about getting you over that hump in the morning. Right, right. One of the other things that is related to that that they mention later in this article is to set a bedtime alarm. Oh. oh. <laughs> Two thumbs up on that one. I can so, like it. So if, if you know that you're getting up at 4.30 in the morning, you set an alarm for, I don't know, 9 o'clock at night or 9.30 at night. When that alarm goes off, you get in bed, you turn off all the electronics, mm-hmm. turn off the lights, and you go to bed. In boot camp, that used to be taps. They would play taps when it's time to shut it down. What happened if you didn't shut it down? <laughs> you, uh, you did. That never happened? <laughs> There's, that, no one ever knew that. <laughs> you shut it down. The uh, people that did are no longer with us. In, in Marine Corps boot camp, we had to lay down at attention before we, on top of the rack, because that's what they called it. You lay down at, at attention with your feet at a 45, your hands right at the side of your legs, exactly like you were standing at attention 
while the drill instructor walked around and gave you the final word of the day, and then you could get under the rack. Was, was he looking to see if you were at attention? Do oh well, yeah, he could see you, and and make sure that you do not fall asleep and start snoring when he is talking. Ooh. That would be. You wouldn't have to worry about what's going to happen <laughs> next because it would just happen. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Next one. Use music. It says that you should play some upbeat music as soon as you wake up. Oh. Um, that's, that, tough. That that's tough to do if you have a, a partner that is not... <laughs> Doesn't, does sleep. not want to wake up <laughs> or, or or if you live in an apartment block in the center of a city with people above below and to the side of you right. <laughs> you're right you're right um you know i don't get this one you, you may have to do a little ex- explanation on this one it says wear red well oh. it means you put something on scott that is the color red it says because red is a power color <laughs> so that that should boost your confidence oh. yeah I think that's a thumbs down for yeah, me. Yeah, thumbs I down. I, I usually get dressed in the dark. Um, <laughs> for a good reason. Where, where something is a good start. <laughs> here, here, here's one that we, we may need some help with. Um, it says uh, coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm not a coffee drinker. Does coffee help you wake up in the morning? I think it can, but I think you have, you know, coffee Before is a on. good. Depends. It's a good natural performance aid, but coffee and timing, because we know that coffee and digestion are also related. So. Do you know how your body's going to respond to that early morning coffee? You know, are you going to need that bathroom break immediately or <laughs> in one hour's time when you're at the far point of your run? Know your body for that. Know your own response to coffee. You guys have done a lot of research on uh, nutrients inside of your 33 shake. Have you looked at uh, caffeine? As uh, Does it have caffeine in it or, or have you considered it? Yeah, so our uh, mocha flavor pre and mm. post workout shake that has organic coffee in it, so that mm-hmm. will give you a little bit of a, a coffee pick up there. Mm-hmm. Because as a natural performance aid, coffee is one of the best things there is. But you have to watch out for timing and quantity, mm. also quality, but timing and quantity are the big ones. So generally, coffee after midday, bad news. You're going to start messing with your sleep. Mm-hmm. So keep your coffee ahead of midday. Um, quantity, like too much coffee, you very quickly offset the benefits. You know, you're, you're really starting to, uh, you're running into risk of tachycardia, you know, irregular heart rate type stuff. Um, and again, you're, you're messing with sleep and relaxation. But coffee in the morning, you know, before your exercise, as long as you know it works with your digestion and everything, that's a good thing. Coffee during an ultra is also a good thing. Timing is going to be key here. So let's say, I don't know, let's say, Don, you were running over 200 miles and you're running through the night and into the day this is probably something you could imagine very clearly i imagine sure. can you visualize that on uh, yeah i can okay you, you got a clear picture of that one as you come into that morning that could be a good time as a coffee drinker to have your coffee it kind of resets you it's, you know the day is normal this is breakfast time i've started mm. again you know it's just a little reset button a routine a routine or maybe in a shorter race in the last hour you need a pickup that's a good place if you're banging coffee every hour during an ultra, you're going to be peaking and troughing your energy levels and wrecking everything. So it's not a, a, a godsend. You have to use it wisely. And that's why, same with our Chia Energy Gel, you can make those with a shot of coffee instead of using the water. Mm-hmm. And there's your caffeine gel ready to go. So some of these uh, these gels and these products with caffeine, you need to really consider that using it early on in a race. You might want to save that silver bullet or that extra gas 
for when you need it. There is an element of borrowing energy from the future with coffee. You know, it, it's yeah. a bit like a credit card. It has to be paid off at some point. Huh. So You want to make sure it's paid off after the finish line and not before. Paid off after the finish line. And the yeah. exception there is really um, when you do have a, an ultra that's going to take you through the night, it can be very helpful as that kind of reset. And your body just, you know, the sun comes up as a massive natural boost and, and you feel that you're coming awake again. The coffee and maybe something to eat at an aid station just really can set you up. And, and I may be completely wrong on this, but I think I've heard that the the lifetime for the, the caffeine has a six-hour effect on your body. Is that I don't even... I think that's got to be individual. Yeah. It's got to be per person. Well, because I drink caffeine like in... Uh, like in a Coke or something like that, it doesn't affect me at all. Well, there can be a tolerance issue as well, same as nicotine or sure. anything else like that. You know, and okay. that's why that was the last thing I forgot about periodizing your use of coffee around races. If you go cold turkey on coffee, say for a month before a big race, you will get more of a boost from that coffee or caffeine mm. during the race because your body is not used to it. Think about it. If you stop drinking for a month, well, a beer gets you a little lightheaded. If you have a beer every night after work, well, a beer doesn't really do anything for you. And maybe it's the same thing with your, your Cokes hmm. and things like that. So Google says, uh, the half-life of caffeine, the time taken for the body to eliminate one half of the caffeine varies widely between people, Scott, depending on factors such as age, body weight, pregnancy status, medication intake. Um, in healthy adults, the half-life is approximately five to six hours. Ooh. I'm impressed with your knowledge there, Freeman. Well, thank you. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, well, you brought in one of the, the factors, so that's good. Nice, nice. Um, okay, so here's another one that you brought up, and that's peer pressure. Mm. Get a get a running partner and um, and make sure that they get you up out of bed. Another one that I actually do, I'm going to give it a thumbs up even before I tell you, and that is to save your podcasts or your audiobook. I get real excited mm. if I'm listening to a series of podcasts or um, uh, an audiobook that I'm really into, that gets me up in the morning because I'm excited to see what the next chapter is or, or excited to listen to these new podcasts that I download. I do the same. Really so you're a thumbs good. up, Erica? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> We're at least 50%. I, oh, I'm a thumbs up, 100%. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I would put a thumbs up to that with the caveat, I often run with nothing. I still, hmm. I, I will find at least half the time I prefer... No input. And Listening to your breath. What do you, so what do you listen to? The cadence of your feet, your thoughts, your breath. What do you listen to? Cadence, thoughts, watch the view. There's so much in terms of you're thinking about, or I would be thinking about, you know, how's my body feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, and you drift off into other things, and then, then you come back, and maybe you catch up with cadence, or you catch up with posture, or you catch up with, actually, I'm running a bit tight in this area. I need to relax my hamstrings, or whatever it might be. How about you? Um well, I was I was just thinking, you know, sometimes when we run, if you're just completely zoning, and I think that's the right place to be is when you kind of lose space and time and effort. Everything is lost. You're out there flow. doing it. You're in you're in flow, and and you try to think to yourself, have I passed that bridge? Did I already run past that place? And you're not sure because you're just you you're. It's almost like you're sleepwalking. You're 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 just running in that space. I don't think you can do that when you're plugged into some audio, I think that happens when you're just completely mm-hmm. in some kind of trance since you're really, it's it's almost like uh, meditation, moving meditation. You lose track of space, time, and location. I enjoy that when that happens. 
I, I will have to disagree with you a little bit. I have been listening to an audio book that I'm really into mm-hmm. where I have lost track of space and time. Hmm. Um, so um, there you go. Yeah, well, we, that's what the podcasts are about. We can uh-huh. disagree. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to say something, Warren, that uh, you said that was very intriguing. What were you talking about? I don't think I've ever said anything intriguing, but I'll take the compliment. Um, it was about, uh, I think it was thinking about just checking in with your body oh, and where are oh, you at. yes, yes. So does this motivate you to get up in the morning for a run where you are doing some deliberate practice? So you have planned for, you know, Saturday morning's run is going to be, you know, a long run that's going to take you to a really fun place. And so it's a deliberate practice or tomorrow's run. I'm going to be working on, um, my cadence or tomorrow's run. I'm going to be working on my whatever. It's a deliberate practice that you pre-planned. Does that help motivate you, get you up in the morning? Hmm. I don't know. I'd say so. Definitely. You can have a reason to be there, right? Does it demotivate you when you know that it's the track workout, speed workout? (laughs) No, because the track's really close to my house. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of my uh, topic. Oh, that was a good topic. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Erica, do you have a topic? No. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, guys. I don't. (laughs) That's okay. We can can move on. So so I, I, I failed to plan. And so what I did was uh, I picked three magazines off the, the counter. There's, uh, there's Runner's World, which is good. Or, or Runner's, what we? Runner's World. Just Runner's World. And then we have uh, Family Circle uh, and Better yeah. Homes and Garden. Yeah, I have the Family Circle. <laughs> and, family Circle. Yeah. So what, I've asked, what have I asked our, our, our marvelous um, co-hosts here to do is just pick out a, a topic, look at a picture, and, and uh, let's throw it into discussion. And we'll see what we can improvise uh, some kind of dialogue. So, uh, who's up? Who's ready? Well, I I, I have Go one ahead, here that, that yeah. quite it, literally. Um, and this is from Better Homes and Garden. I have the November 2017 issue of Better Homes and Garden, uh, which I did bring do, with me because I have a, a. Do they have that in the UK? Uh, of course. I, okay. I think it's global. It, it's oh, called okay. Better Cottage and Garden. <laughs> better Flat and Garden. Yeah. <laughs> but better Flat and Garden is, is, a, is a fantastic magazine that I've known for many, many minutes now. And um, I just popped it open, sure. uh, whatever page. And, and I have this page about, um, looks like shelving. There's a round Scandinavian <laughs> shelf, but it's called Simply Shaker. And as, as someone who's Nutrition company is called Thirty Three Shake. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure there's a natural. I'm draw. unnaturally drawn to the word shake, so I looked, and it said in the stand first, which, yeah. having been an old school journalist, that's the little few lines they put under the headline. Okay, shakers, the original minimalists, paved the way for modern design with simple, honest lifestyle. Well, funnily enough, at Thirty Three Shake, we are minimal. Um, we don't have any stuff in the products that shouldn't be there. We we are traveling across the U.S. here, largely funded by renting out our apartment on, on Airbnb. Oh, as nice. we, we have two pieces of hand luggage and, and a few other bits and pieces. Um, we don't like too much clutter. These people paved the way for modern design, well, you could say modern nutrition, with a simple, honest lifestyle. What we're trying to do is clean and honest and simple and different and against what we see as a lot of products out there that are not as honest as they should be behind their marketing claims. So that did attract me. I didn't want to go down a full company shindig here, but I thought of all the pages I could have fallen open on, the uh, round Scandinavian shaker shelf and the simply shaker feature in this month's Better Homes, Flats and Gardens was, was quite the one. So that's given you a little bit of time to, to think about it, Freeman. 
Um, and how, per- how can you how can you take that into a, a running without talking about thirty three shake? How can simply shaker be equated to running? You, you know, I I've uh, well, he's in minimalist. He circled the word minimalist, and and mm-hmm. I'll tell you, this is this is an easy one for me because there's a lot of people that get pretty pretty involved in their plan and maybe a bit too involved with this is a rigid on their expectations that's going to happen for the day in a race and if it blows up then they blow up they're just all of a sudden ah this day's not going good i think that going in there with just being trained and confidence and willing to take on anything that comes at you is the way to go and we talk about minimalist in your attire but there's a minimalist in planning as well just to go out and just show up and take on whatever comes. The great thing about that is you're never surprised because uh, it's all a surprise. It's all a surprise. <laughs> you're not disappointed that your plan isn't rolling out like it's supposed to because you didn't expect anything except adversity. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing you expected. And you went in there thinking, you know what? I trust in myself. I trust in my planning. I trust in my, in my nutrition. And I'm going to get out there and just take it on. And I just love that unique challenge of showing up at risk, being having it risky. So there's minimalist attire is your your shoes and your your shorts and maybe your jacket and maybe you don't put on a bunch of accessories and that's your minimalist. But there's also minimalist in planning and just showing up for the race and getting it done. There's two ways to do it. Some people plan a lot, some people don't. I I, I like that very much because running at its heart is a very it's the most simple thing we could possibly do it is quite literally one foot in front of the other and repeat bingo you are running um and it's great we can get so much information about running now we can learn so much about form about technique about cadence about nutrition about equipment about technology about training programs periodization cadence heart rate the whole lot and what that can do is it can make referring to your point earlier scott getting out of bed in the morning a bit daunting because there's a lot to do and actually sometimes there isn't you can just go run Mm -hmm. enjoy it for the hell of actually running and you talked on about getting there into that flow state well you can achieve that in a race you can achieve that in hard training but you can also achieve that on a 5k trail run just through a beautiful piece of woodland and you can still get a little hit of that in there from the simplicity of running and so to strip it back you know people talk about I'm going to minimize or downsize my life. Um, kind of in a way, it's a bit of a modern world luxury. We we have too much. You know, that's the, that's the flip side of that coin. Stripping your running back to nothing sometimes is really often all it's about. Can you reach flow with an Excel spreadsheet in your hip pocket? That's the question. Mm. You know, if you have so many details that you're, you've already pre-planned and <clears throat> you're trying to execute, can you let your body just move into that spot where, like you said, Warren, is a one foot in front of the other and just enjoy it and just lose yourself. Can I can I be devil's advocate yeah, here? Well, that's what we should do. I, I think that there are some people that can get into that flow state with that Excel spreadsheet because they have done all of the planning. They know mm. all of their splits. So they don't have to worry about worrying, you know, you're, you're halfway through a 100-mile race and you're trying to calculate in your mind how am, am I going to make this next aid station in the split time that I need to, where if, if it's on a spreadsheet, you're not thinking about it. And all you're worrying about is one step a, in front of the other. 
you you know that in your aid station bag, drop bag, that you have all of the things that have been put in there from a, a checklist that is a page long, that there's over planning that allows you to, on race day, not worry about it. Wow, Scott War, that's strong. That's mm-hmm. very strong. I, I, you know, I accept that argument as a, uh, a good, a good point. And then there are people like me that that do the opposite, which is I try to plan, but I don't do it well enough that I'm worrying about it all during the race. <laughs> <laughs> so you're stuck in the middle. I'm stuck in the middle. You plan poorly. Your Excel yeah, spreadsheet. I'm poor planning. Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. in a way, I think also that is kind of interesting because when you have a coach. Is that the moment that you're not actually thinking about anymore, about your routine, what you have, what you have to do, and the planning? Because someone else does it for you. That's good. And if you trust it, you know, it's just, it's just kind of relief. And you can just do it in a mechanical way, and probably you can have this flow going on that state of mind you know i'm gonna i'm gonna throw in and and kind of do a little rewind i think that's another way that you can get out of the bed in the morning is to hire a coach because and maybe that equates down into the peer pressure thing if you know that you have to talk to your coach that afternoon and say i didn't get out of bed to do my run this morning yeah that's mm-hmm. not a good deal. So maybe that's a great reason to hire a coach. Do some people use Strava as their accountability factor? I, I imagine they do to, to get out there and oh, post and yeah. people are watching to oh, see what's yeah. going Competition on. Competition is on. <laughs> Strava I mean, is a great one for the, the early morning thing because yeah. without, we, I mean, we can go down a whole, whole rabbit hole on Strava, but one of the, one of the favorite things I, I like about it, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, you know, if I've got up at 5 a.m. to go run and I'm done by 8 and, you know, I've drawn that nice pretty line on mm-hmm. the Strava map and it's up there, well, that's going up as soon as possible, you know, <laughs> so that my friends who are just waking up can see that I'm done already. And You and have it we, in the bank. It's huh? in the bank. And, and from there, have you ever talked on the podcast about how people name their Strava activities? Oh, no, we have not. We haven't really talked about Strava. Do you use Strava? No, if I was faster, I would use Strava. Yeah, that's my problem. Yeah. I don't want people knowing what I'm doing. Oh, well, you, you can, <laughs> well, you can make you all can, your Strava private yeah. and oh, okay. you can choose what you share. Um, I mean, so how do, how do you name? Your well, you see, what people will do, let's say, for example, and it, it, this, is, this is just generalizing. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Strava is um, effectively a digital training diary combined with a social network and you have a profile and you're... Uh, activities as recorded on your watch or, or phone or whatever upload directly and people can see if you choose to share it uh, the map of where you ran the elevation the descent uh, your heart rate if you've recorded that um, and you know how many awards you won because it'll, it'll match you up against anyone else who's run that stage and you can see where you're at um, very useful training tool but let's just say you went out and it was a hard run and you weren't prepared and you didn't feel good. So the typical way that someone might describe a run like that is just um, gentle recovery run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very or good. Yeah, I've seen that. Really hilly run. <laughs> or, or when when the performance is below par or, you know, or, or something like that. Casual run with friends. <laughs> Social run. You know, when the performance is below par, it's like, I wasn't trying. And there's, there's a lot of that on there. And and then the other ones, you know, it's like PB with 10,000 meters of ascent and descent or something like that. You know, that, that actually opens up a, a, a larger question of 
is Strava good? If 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 you're posting these and sharing these, and I guess making the assumption that every run I do is going to be a personal best and at 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 race pace speed, is mm-hmm. that good? Because we know that that is not smart training. You know, Phil Maffetone has told us a, a number of times that you have to slow down to speed up. So is that hurting our training because of the social pressure? It really could do in the same way Instagram and and other things can be damaging to people's concept of body image and things Uh like that. Yeah. Um, And it requires exactly the same as that Instagram issue. It requires maturity, self-awareness, and an ability to check your ego at the door. Mm. Um, Personally, um, and I see this with a lot of my friends, you know, I, I think it comes with, with us being, you know, into our forties as opposed to being in younger, but you are able to look more at the totals. You can see the totals that you've done for the year mm-hmm. and you can accept that really you're very happy to get out and do some miles hmm. or to do that session and not for everything to have to be a PB because that is not an effective way to train and it's not an effective way to, uh, look after your body but if you can also then spread that out you're going to have those times when you do really shoot for it and it's nice to see when Strava gives you awards because you can see I was quicker here and you can see the segments of the run you're like I know I could probably descend a bit quicker there mm. it's I, I take it back to like the motorcycle racing times you can see the sections on the track or the route where you see I can take a little bit out here and a little bit out there and if I string it together that's going to be my best run ever but you can't do that every day mm. interesting hmm. interesting very good all that from minimalist Scandinavian design, right? <laughs> How do we get there? I, hey, I, on the Strava thing, yeah. and I don't know if I saw this or not, but it was, uh, it was a route in residential, and they actually spelled out a word on that. Yeah, Have I've you seen, seen that? That's I've seen them where they've uh, made photos or pictures. Or I stuff. don't know. Maybe somebody just used a red know, marker. A um, red marker. <laughs> and just wrote something and stretched out the streets. But that was pretty cool. Okay, I think we're to Warren. Warren, back up. Well, okay, so let's just have a look here. He has a deep bag over there he's reaching into. Yeah. Groping around in this bag. I, you feels won't, like. You won't feels <laughs> like and, and looks like. I pulled it out. We, we are sticking with the furniture, and, and, but okay. a bit less minimal this theme. time. Furniture I, I've, theme. I've pulled out a car seat. A car seat. So, to, so hmm. I, would anyone have okay, an idea I've got why? It. Oh, sure. I mean, that's so obvious. I mean, it, it's so obvious. <laughs> I mean, how the, could no one get it? I yeah. mean, the hint was too large. And why don't you just spell it all out? The car seat. You know, right after a run, we have a habit of saying, hey, see you later. Boom, we're trail runners, right? Right into the car seat. No time to stretch, no time to get yourself, you know, uh, cooled down from the run. It's straight from the last hill straight to the stoplight and we can end up with tight hip flexors and all kinds of things that can happen because of the dreaded car seat we need to you know take a moment and stretch out after we've worked ourselves and i think that's what you mean by car seat i'm going to take a stab and and i'm going to say how many times (laughs) (laughs) it's completely different well it should be how many times have you finished your run yeah and realized you didn't bring the towel ah. to cover the seat. Ooh. And now you're all sweaty. Yeah. You have an appointment. You got to get in there. I and just stripped s- down. I stripped down with nothing. But and you're just- still sweaty. Well, the clothes are off. Okay. I just hope I don't get pulled over. I don't like that picture. <laughs> we'll break down. <laughs> I, I, I do not like that picture. So um, <laughs> I, 
I have found that for for me, uh, I carry a nice bottle of Febreze. <laughs> so just so when I get home or to my appointment, I will take that and spray the seat so it makes it at least that smell. That sanitize it. It does t- er- for mine. Erica, <laughs> oh, probably you have the best um, thought of what what Warren means by car seat. You, I mean, you've been around the guy well, more I than we have. Well, I have to say, after how many miles we've done it? On this tour so yeah. far, it's tipping up seven and a half thousand. So okay, wow. after seven and a half t- <laughs> wow. miles we did uh, from November 1st. Yeah. So it's a lot. We were actually a lot on a car seat, <laughs> I have to say. You were what on a car seat? Oh, in the car seat a lot. I've got you. A lot, yes. a lot. So the stretching... Uh, I have to say that this stretching makes a lot of sense in my world because it is absolutely true. Okay, that's good. You get Scott, she's with me. Yeah, Let's see if Warren's... You know, I, I just want to put a little idea out for 33 Shake. Next time Do you're it. doing the cross-country tour, Erica, you need to drive, and Warren, you need to run across the United States. Let's uh. do it. <laughs> That would be awesome. That no, it would be so that slow. That should be the next one. Yeah, hmm. but that it would be no, no in a month's time. No, <laughs> not one or two months. You just that need would to train. need a lot of time. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep track of you on Strava. Exactly. You just uh, <laughs> the ba- the cruise PB. through the middle, right? I carry PB a few everywhere. backpack of nutrition products, maybe, and off we go. Then it would be a long beard and a long hair. He'd <laughs> look like Forrest Gump. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so back to back to back uh, to the car, car seat. seats. What is so, the, the real topic? You, you've all touched upon it, and Scott, your point is a very good one. We have covers in the thirty-three shake van because for this very reason. Yeah, but it was how do you cope with long periods of sitting? Because uh-huh. even in an office, you can move. We all know that sitting is not good for us. So on this tour, uh, Erica and I have finessed further our own anti-sitting remedies. And, and mm. I, I feel more. Erica's always been um, a lot more flexible than me anyway. She suffers less with this. But I know if I don't look after myself, like forget getting in the car straight after the run, I'm not going to get out of the car to the run. So right. I need to keep, I need to not offset the damage of, you know, we've done a number of 12-hour days in the first, there was a 10-day stretch where we did 5,000 miles, and that went by pretty quickly. So long days in the car. I wanted to throw it out to the table. What do people have as even just your top two tips for beating long-term sitting as an active runner? And I'm happy to open the batting if, if anyone else would. Well, you know that that's a great question. I, you're a I, traveler, I, Scott. I do, I do quite a bit of driving for work, um, and... Really, the only thing that I can think of <laughs> that works for me, it, because I don't have a lot of time in between appointments or whatever, and that is just get out and 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 walk around just a little bit, and that's mm-hmm. it. I, I wish there was a better answer for me, and I'm looking for a better answer, but just to you know go to the gas station or you know get it get out and just walk around. Because the the one for us the that's always good is is to walk around and and on that we we sticking with the the Strava or the technology theme, um, uh, I notice we are all wearing the same Garmin watches of different generations by the looks of it. But they'll all give you a step Not count myself. for the day. Oh, Erica has the Polar. I forgot. That's Excuse one me. one Polar, three Garmin's <laughs> full set. But they're all going to give you a step count during the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, my target step count has been falling since I arrived here because it is harder 
to walk in in the United States than it is to walk in in Europe. Um, why generally, is, why is that? Gravity. It's different here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the layouts. You know, you, you have these big streets and these. More, Everything's too far away. So right? you want to go to two shops. Well, you're going to drive to one, and the other one's a mile away. So you're probably going to drive to that because you'd have to get across six lanes of traffic twice uh, just to get to the other mm-hmm. one. Whereas in a European city, it is more often the case that you would drive to one, walk to the other one, walk to the other one, walk back, and it would be, you know, it might still be a mile between a few of your shops, but it's just a natural way to do it because you're not crossing a six-lane freeway every time you have to go somewhere. So um, it is a bit harder to get that walking in. So we'd do a little maybe run around the the rest stops. That would be a, a good one. But I've found preventative medicine to be the best thing with just 10 minutes of stretch and exercise in the morning and the afternoon just to iron those kinks out. Hmm. Um, things like glute bridges for me. Eric has been really big on squats since we've been Oh, been yeah, I love here. that. I do 500 squats a day. Wow. But it's easy. You just do it. No, actually, <laughs> I get so bored to count, you know, one, two, three, you know, yeah. keep it going. So I know exactly how, um, uh, every hundred, how much, how long is the, the timing. So I put my account down and I do just uh, thinking about the looking things. For example, sometimes we just, uh, even if you are like uh, now we were, you know, traveling and everything. So in the morning, maybe we are a different scenario just to go on the beach i can do my squats looking maybe some surfers you know it just mm. kind of in the meantime you're doing more exciting things because the squats are pretty boring mm. so you know i'll throw my two cents in i think that the, the best position is the next position and mm. so as you're sitting in that chair you're not confined to just one position you can bring the chair back so your legs stretch out so you get to move the knees a little bit. Mm. You can make sure your head is over your shoulder because holding the head forward three inches, get this, three inches forward puts 30 pounds worth of work on those muscles behind there to help hold your head up and loads the discs and the joints wow. there. So three inches, which isn't much. So put your head back on the headrest, adjust the mirror so that your your mirror is appropriate for that head position and use that position and keep that head over your shoulder where it belongs. Anything forward puts a lot of extra work on it. You have a lot better efficiency with your back when there's an arch in it. That's why they have uh, arch supports or back lumbar supports. So make sure you use that or make sure you just, as you're there, kind of rotate, roll your pelvis forward and induce an arch in that back and let those discs then move and, and imbibe some fluid. Mm-hmm. Very important. It stretches the muscles and that contraction will help. So, uh, the best position is the next position. You're not you're not a statue. You don't have to just stay in that one position. You can move the seat and move your body. You know, um, that's a great, I mean, that's the gold nugget for me for this podcast. But um, I, I used to work with a guy. Mine was wear a red shirt in the morning to get you going. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I had, a, I had, a, I had a, a workmate of mine that uh, used to take a tennis ball. And put a tennis ball behind. <laughs> behind. Scott, you're the best. I'm just moving on. <laughs> just moving on. You're the best in the world. Go ahead. He's a pro. He is. He ignores me as if I <laughs> say that. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the tennis ball. Tennis ball. Yeah. Mm. Tell me about retriever. that. Uh, tennis ball. Well, well, he he used it for two different things. He would uh. use it. Where he'd take his shoe off and, oh, yeah. and use it 
you know, just kind of play with it on uh-huh. the, on the floor of the of the vehicle. But he also would put it behind him mm-hmm. and kind of play with it with his back and That's kind of move, move around. Is that if yeah, if he put acceptable? his head back over his shoulder, he wouldn't have to do that. But that is a good move, even if you're in because it gets that you to position. that next move. I think it's good. That's trigger point therapy right into the muscles that are bothering you. That's a that's a brilliant I move. I don't know so. if you had also in uh, in America, in Italy we had this kind of in the this kind of extra st- uh, mm, how can I call it it's like it has little bins of made of wood taxi cabs and drivers people that were moving like that <laughs> right? when they are driving you <laughs> well, know so they could massage their backs yeah because it. all mm-hmm. these little uh, you know little little bits little uh, balls they move mm-hmm. what do you think about that <laughs> I think it's a great idea. The next <laughs> the best position is the next position. So move on your balls. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the we'll position move on. of your balls when we'll, driving we'll, is we'll, very important. Well. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I have another topic. Uh, oh, and, and this one... Well, this you one get is, to do another topic? Oh, yeah, it's your turn. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, my, it's, it's my turn. I just did a lot of talking on Warren's topic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So this one, um, one of our, our uh, guests that we've had on uh, a few times is uh, Katie DeSplinter Grossman. Yes. And she did a post a while ago that really got me thinking. Um, it was coming into um, the lottery season here in the U.S., and she had noticed that in the Hard Rock Lottery... Oh, right. This is big. ...that there were only 17, I think 17.5% of the entrants were women. And that, she was... That, that actually got into the no, race no, or no, the lottery? No, that actually put in to the lottery. Okay. So I don't know. I, I the, the lottery was very recent, a week or two ago, and I'm not sure exactly you know, what the results were as far as gender. So you're pretty much prepared well for this topic. No, but my, que- <laughs> my, my question is, is, is um, Ultra Running Magazine does a very, very good job of tracking statistics, and they have some statistics that show that since, um, um, you know what, Freeman, you can <laughs> go <laughs> sock it. Um, here we go. So in 1980, in 1980, Ninety-one percent of all ultra finishes were male. In in nineteen eighty. <laughs> yeah, we have to pause this, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> you have been working hard. I have. I'm tired. <laughs> Tell me when you're ready to hit. Uh, I'm re- I I I've turned my mic back okay, on. Go okay. Ahead. Okay. So in ni- I'm sorry. In nineteen eighty, ninety-one percent of all ultra finishes were male. Okay. Okay. Fast forward to 2016, only 60, just less than 67 percent. So, so there's if, a difference there. What if, you're saying? If you do the math, 33 percent, a third over a third what of a great finishes in 2016 were female. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think it's a great thing. But the what Katie was saying is, if a third of the finishers of all ultras are women, how come women aren't signing up for the lottery for some of these races like Hard Rock? Hmm, that's a great question. So that that's my topic. You want us to uh, pontificate on that? Well, Talk I, amongst I think, yourselves. Erica, um, you should be signing up for Hard Rock <laughs> now. I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You never know. I can get the place. <laughs> That would be. I. That would be in trouble. With my long hair, do I stand a better chance of getting in? If you, if you wore lingerie. 
Uh-huh. Where's the if in that? <laughs> now I will I will say this. If you if you um, again, Ultra Running Magazine does a great job with statistics at the end of the year. Here's another interesting statistic that may tell part of the story. Hundred mile finishers uh, or finishes in twenty sixteen for women was twenty one point four six percent. So that's not too far above the seventeen that we're, we're putting in for the hard rock lottery. But here's another interesting fact is that dropped from the year before in 2015 In 2015, 24% were women. It dropped by almost 3% in 2016. Mm. Kind of an interesting, it's been a steady climb for women over the years, but from 2015 to 2016, there was a drop in hundred mile female finishers as a percentage of total finishers. And could that be, just throwing it out there, relatively small numbers, even if you looked at the total numbers of ultra finishers, relatively we're not dealing with hundreds of thousands here. Right. That it wouldn't take too much to skew that 20 to 24. Correct. But it would be interesting yeah, to see that. what those stats do next year because I can my gut feeling on this is that as more people, you know, that why does why is hundred mile why are more people running hundred milers? Because more people are seeing people run hundred milers and going, well, if they did it, I can do it. Um, and then that follows into you know more women see more women finishing hundred milers. Well, there should absolutely be more women than going to do it, but that curve is a little further behind because there were fewer women originally, um, and that trend is going to take a little more time to change. What does anyone think? I think that Hard Rock has some special circumstances. They have some uh, um, some rules about veteran runners that get to to join in and come in. And many of those veteran runners are historically predominantly male. So perhaps that has skewed those numbers just a bit. And maybe that 5% you're talking about. Does that discourage women from entering? It, it, it may be. Yeah. And, you know, it maybe it's harder to get into because there's a little more of an advantage if you've been there, done that, because they have their veteran rule. And I kind of like maybe maybe that's a, an additional topic is should there be an advantage to local runners? Should there be advantages to people who have been there and done that before because it's quote unquote, you know, their area, their race? Or should there be a disadvantage if you've done it to allow more people to experience your race? I mean, what is your thoughts on local races and exclusivity or advantage to team local versus other people visiting and coming in do you well you know don and i uh, we have been to hard rock and it's a very unique atmosphere Mm -hmm. very unique from any race i've ever been to because it's very familiar they're family there's a hard rock family there is a family you get there and it's a reunion if Mm -hmm. you will of of family um and and i don't you know on one hand i think if you are in that club that has run it multiple times, does that automatically give you a higher percentage chance of getting in? I can see that because you don't want to disrupt what Hard Rock has become. But on the flip side, there's so many people that would love, love, love to try their hat at that beautiful place um, and and to try to run that race. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm split. On the flip side, um, 
Western states used to be like that. You knew uh, most people that were running it, and yeah. it was more local, and it was a, you know, every third year you could run it, and, and there was a, a more of a, a familiar community mm-hmm. running it. And now it's wide open. People are coming from all kinds of places, and so it, it appears that Western states went one direction, Hard Rock has maintained the course, and so it's interesting to compare and contrast, which is better, which is not. I don't know. Um it's uh, they're both hard to get into, equally as hard. <laughs> it's almost impossible. But the faces are are familiar at Hard Rock, I think, and always new faces unless you're in the top ten over and over again um, in the Western states. So I think an interesting discussion for people to have. I, I have a question for uh, Warren and Erica. What what are the races like in Europe? I I assume there's lotteries. I mean, we're all familiar with UTMB that you have to have points to get into UTMB. Um, but are there lotteries? Are there races big enough that you have to put in and get drawn to run? Generally, no. Is that the uh, and and I'm painting with a pretty broad brush here, but UTMB stands head and shoulders above anything in Europe, almost anything in global trail running circles. In that, so many people want to run it, and it is so well known, and it, and it is deservedly so. It's an incredible race, and and they've done a great job of also adding the extra races to it and building the thing over the week. There's, it is a unique event, um, and by nature, it needs the points. It needs the the uh, lottery type element to it. But beyond that, most UK races they just sell out. That's that's what happens. First um, come, first serve. First come, first serve. And that, you know, you will find smaller races. It's actually one of the things I've found good to do is to find the list of UTMB qualifying races and either look down that and find those in countries that you're looking for because you know you're going to get a, a good race there. But almost um, on the flip side of that, if you can find beautiful looking races that are not on the UTMB qualifier list, then you're really in for a treat because you have just discovered something that, you know, is not going to be that big and you know you might take a risk it might not be well organized it might be but there i know some people who've inspired me to take on a couple of races that i'm looking at for next year precisely for that reason that these are kind of outliers and there's a lot of beautiful races out there but the utmb casts a very big shadow over european and, and to an extent global running in that so many people are focused on i must get my points i must get my points races are focused on we must qualify to become a utmb qualifier instead mm-hmm. of maybe some of the other things for the race um but uh, to come back to the original point i mean generally uh with the exception of utmb and a couple of others that are growing the main thing is you just need to get your application in early and they might be gone in half an hour so you need to know when that date is and wow. just on that subject uh, to any race organizers of websites out there, I may have raised this before, please put two things on your homepage. Put the date of the actual race so runners can decide if they want to do it rather than hiding it somewhere five pages in where we don't find it. Uh, and also, please They're going p- for web clicks there, Warren. Don't you know that? Yeah, but <laughs> they, want, they want entrance as well. And if I've gone through five pages and I don't know what sodding date it's on, I'm not going to go. Um, and then the uh, the other ones, please, yeah, please put the entries open on x on there somewhere as well because otherwise you do get that locals thing where the 50 people who know when it is because they know the organizer all get their places and you miss it by 24 hours because you didn't find the page maybe maybe that's how they want it maybe that's the the unofficial selection over in europe what do you think about the idea of these big races that that have qualifying races or point races um switching those up from year to year so it's not just the same qualifying races every year 
I know that there's a lot of race directors of up and coming races are are like begging these large races like UTMB to become a UTMB point race or a Western States qualifier, a hard rock qualifier. And once they get that plate on their website or, or that nomenclature, that award, all of a sudden their races go from a hundred runners to 5,000 runners. I mean, it just, it makes or breaks a race. And I think it would be nice to see them kind of play around with that and say, okay, for the next three years, you're going to be a UTMB point race. And for the next, you know, three years after that, this other race over here gets a shot at it. And that way we kind of move around a little bit. I don't know. You know what's kind of crazy is that we run the race on Saturday. And you know what? The, the next day or the next week, it's the same course. It's like we're, we're so <laughs> disappointed that we didn't get into that race. But guess what? The course didn't go anywhere. It's still there. You know, just go out and run it. And log on to Strava. And enjoy it. <laughs> well, you, you, you Compete could, with your friends on Strava. You, you could download the route from Strava if, if you sure. have the account. And you can go run it. I, I have a friend who, uh, I, I loved what he did this London Marathon this year. He didn't have a place to run London Marathon. But he did meet some friends at the start line because the course is closed from about 2 or 3 a.m. But the race doesn't start, I believe, till like 8.39 a.m. So he met some friends at the start line at 3 a.m. or whatever, and they ran the race backwards. Sorry, he met them at the finish line, and yeah. they ran the London Marathon backwards, finishing it before everyone else started. How which fun. I just thought was great. You know, go and play with that stuff. There's yeah. a lot of things we can do with creativity, and, and uh, not to get disappointed or reach deep into a, your pocketbook to enter one of these races when it's really your gift to run. You know, yeah. get out there and do it inspired by that so i have in my hand the uh, family circle from um <laughs> and i randomly chose these these journals these fine journals and I, I did not study them and comb through them or dog ear the picture or highlight certain words or articles this is com and and advertisements are open um editorial comments are open i just just the pictures are open even comics anything that you find in that book scott that inspires you to bring it up as a topic, I'm ready for. This is the November 2017 issue of uh, the, the Family Circle. Yes. I don't think I've seen the Family Circle since I was a kid in the doctor's office, like when I was 10. Um, here it is on page 60 mm -hmm. is an article that says, <laughs> make your dishwasher do the dirty work. You know, and, and that's easy for me. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> that's, I would you not pick something more difficult, Scott? <laughs> well, and, and what I think of is your crew. You know, we, 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 we lean on our crew. They're, they're the dishwashers? Essentially. Okay. They're picking up your, your, your trash. They're, they're dealing with the ugly. I mean, you take socks off. Who do you think puts them back in the bag? It isn't the racer. It's that, it's that unthanked, probably, until the end of the race at least, crew member i did buy some latex gloves by the way for next time i crew you <laughs> yeah I, I know why uh, so i i think uh what was the name of the article since i'm so dialed in um it was make your dishwasher do the dirty work yeah so <laughs> so make sure that you you, you you bring someone that you you don't necessarily expect to keep around as a friend for long when you <laughs> as your dishwasher as your crew because they do some pretty un, un, unthankful things, I think. I'll give you a more literal um, explanation or maybe a topic on the dishwasher. I don't know if I've ever done this before, but I did it recently where I washed my hat. 
in the dishwasher because usually I just throw my my hat in the in the 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 clothes washer. Hmm. But somebody had said that you can do it in the dishwasher. I took my hat, put it on the top rack of the dishwasher, came out sparkling, and it didn't deform the hat. Huh. So it did the dirty work for my hat. It, that's good. There, there's something about dishwasher and food and food and things I'm gonna eat in the future in your head. <laughs> You're not coming to my dinner party then, is what you're telling me. Not until your hat's well dirtied. Is, is this how you're paying him back for the, the delights of crewing? Like, <laughs> yes. Don, come round for dinner. I'm cooking tonight. It's got a nice taste. <laughs> Any thoughts on the dishwasher and the uh, crew and the, perhaps Scott's uh, utilization of his own dishwasher at home and his hats? I, I, w- I was broadening it a little, maybe skewed by Erica and I's living in a small apartment in the center of the city where space is at a premium and we had to mm-hmm. make the choice, dishwasher or washing machine. Wow. Um, and we went washing machine for quite obvious reasons. Um, but now that you know that you can wash your clothes in your dishwasher. We're going to swap it out for a dishwasher <laughs> immediately. So I thought washing machine straight away and I just thought, where do you draw the line on which pieces of kit and how dirty they are, what's your protocol for cleaning up your trail gear, what goes in the washing machine, what doesn't, do you maybe hose things down first, oh, yeah. do you hand wash some stuff? I mean, Erica would have a, a whole chapter on hand wash. I hand wash everything. Immediately after the run. I mean, I bring, uh, yeah. I bring it into the shower. I mean, I don't... <laughs> I do the same. <laughs> I do absolutely the same. Because you I guys get in the shower to change? No. 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 But, but together? No. You Is know? that something I should know? <laughs> no. The, the, but the, uh, it's so true. Right. You, you bring your shorts and your stuff that you've sweated in, and then there's, there's water, there's soap, <laughs> you and you just rinse, wash it. and you wash it right there. Yes. But, but that's not the only wash job. That's wash job number one, and then it dries, and then it goes, in, for me, into a washing machine. No, I do er- a double wash. Oh, er- wow. Erica has no, a, I don't need that. an impenetrable code, like the Enigma machine would struggle to work this out. <laughs> if you put all of Erica's run gear out, there is a v- only she can work out which one's a hand wash only because the thread might bobble a little bit Ooh. or actually that cup will go a bit baggy or a very and, and actually she has a spidey sense where before a piece of clothing has even been machine washed she knows no <laughs> hand wash only for that mm. one i know it. well she's italian italians just, no clothes that's exactly. right I, that's right she it, it's it's in their blood i have to say for me anything that is for running tights everything i never put inside the, the washing machine so if you were to choose and vote you would have got the dishwasher not the washing machine you got it <laughs> okay so let me i've got two questions number one um when you have a pair of running shoes that are new running shoes do you use them exclusively exclusively for running or would you venture into town in your new running shoes i for one will not do anything but run in that running shoe. It is forbidden. It's a, it's like wearing golf cleats through town to walk down the, the the road. No way. They are they are permitted only on the course, and that's it until and, until they're retired. And when they retire, then I can wear them somewhere. Yeah. But you know, it's pe- I see people come in and they say, "Yeah, these are my new running shoes." I'm thinking, "Did you run over here?" Because I would <laughs> never ever use those as my casual shoe. Those are strictly that's forbidden. What it, what, it, what, what is what is the cultural uh, uh, mores in England say about running shoes? 
Well, in 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 merry old England, it is uh, written into the the statute laws, really. <laughs> uh, and and a, a man in a sheepskin wool judge's outfit sits on a woolsack in Parliament once a year and and decrees whether people can wear their run shoes or not. And the general rule, yes, is they're for running only. Only, that's, yeah. That's how it works, right? You're running in yeah. them or you're not wearing them, right? But I have to confess, and that that's that's my default position. But since Eric and I have been traveling so much these last few years, and particularly when we've been doing most of it hand luggage only, the luxury of two pairs of shoes, mm, good point, kind of out the window. So I have had to get comfortable with breaking that for the convenience of having my run mm. shoes where I go. But that makes it a tricky decision. You need a good run shoe that you could also wear to the bar without looking too terrible. But then mm. you get into the situation, if your trail running's muddy, well, it better be a hot country because how are you going to wash it and get it clean if you mm. need to wear it out? All sorts of uh, complicated issues there. But I, I have blurred the lines in, in the um, for the sake of being able to run when we travel because sometimes there's no space. So have you noticed a difference or a de- degradation of those shoes because you're using them as daily wear and not just running shoes? I have to say no would be my instinctive reaction because I'm quite um, basic when it comes to shoes. I will wear the shoes a lot. I will pretty much wear my shoes to destruction. I I don't change them up very regularly. Um, But what I do notice is uh, I can get in and out of bars much quicker. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to ask you, Freeman. I I am on the same page you buy your running shoes, they are your running shoes uh-huh. until you retire them, and then you can mow the lawn or do whatever. Sure. Do you really think that there's a reason for that? Do you think that there's an advantage by doing that? Oh, no, I think it's all it's all mental. All, okay. all mental. Okay. Yeah. But I, I do wear my running watch when I'm not running. That's and, true. Yeah. And I wouldn't have any problem wearing... Uh, you know, short, running shorts short, to work. Shirt. I wouldn't have any trouble with that. And the hat crossing between casual wear and, and running, mm-hmm. I'm good with that. But the shoes, socks, uh, no problem. I'll wear, I can wear the same sock that I would run in. And the next day, I, after they were laundered in the shower, of course. Of course, <laughs> as we do. As we do. Um, you know, I'd wear those on multiple days, no problem. I don't do my socks. I do the shorts, mandatory shorts. Do you and, always do that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, it it, 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 uh, it keeps them clean and, and their lifespan much longer. And huh. if you're not doing it, you need to start. I may. <laughs> not. <laughs> Maybe not. Good, good. So uh, th- let me have another swing at that. It was dishwasher what? Uh, it was make your dishwasher do the dirty work. I think, Scott, I think you actually had the best response to that. Uh, I think mine was pretty weak, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I don't think you should you. put anything else except for your hat. Although, here's another question. Here's another good question real quick. Wait, wait. Let us decide whether it's good. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I will decide. <laughs> um, handheld water bottles. Yeah. Can you put a handheld water bottle in the dishwasher and expect it to get clean? Absolutely. Ooh. I say yes. I never so even you don't do it. So you don't do a pre-thing with a little bottle brush and get all the gunk and all that stuff out? You just throw it in the dishwasher and say, when that beeps, it's clean? It's clean. Yeah, I don't worry about yeah, that. I but think I, you better look at the bottom of that uh well, I've opened it water up bottle. and looked, yeah. Um, but definitely the hydration uh, bladders. I turn inside out like you could turn inside of a sock out, and I clean those thoroughly. Do you put those in the dishwasher? No, no. I just oh, hand okay. clean them, and, yeah. I, and I invert them. That's the only way to do it. That's the way to, 
to manage a bladder. You you can't not regular. You have to clean your bladder after every use, otherwise Absolutely. you're going to be sucking up some nasty stuff very yeah, quickly, yeah. and everything is going to taste. What's that? Even worse than it does normally. Yeah. What's that stuff that used to come out? What squeet? Squeet. Squeet. Yeah. There was a product in the United States called Squeet that you. It was a white liquid that you'd put in there. It's probably just it was a baking soda or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Okay. That, that was festive. Did we did we nail everything, Scott? Did we? Uh, I think we we did well. I think the drop bag. Wait a minute. Oh, Wait a minute. I have one. I am Me so too. sorry. <laughs> she, she's throwing this one out for the table. She's okay. got she because she's holding runners. I'm world. I'm running. Yeah, runners world of okay. November 2017. Oh, notice that, that they're Freeman, all. I'm impressed. You don't keep magazines around the office very long, do no, you? No, no, no. The people steal them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now I find this headline that I find that is kind of funny. Hot to trot. Hot to trot. Hot to trot. That's what we get? Yes. Okay. That's it. Open. Okay, I'll take the first stab at that, all right? Yeah, I need to think of something that's clean. Hey. <laughs> like Don's shorts. Or <laughs> <laughs> your hat. I, I have learned that a hot burrito the night... <laughs> Hot salsa? That's where I was going. You were going with that? Yeah, that's where I was going. But I I didn't think it was was family friendly for this podcast. So go ahead. (laughs) I think uh, most of the family's probably bailed by now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there is nothing worse. You know, what do you eat before you go out and run? I have found that a salad is the best for me. Salad, you know, some chicken on it, just a sensible meal has been my go-to and very dependable. But a hot, hot salsa on a burrito is not good for me. Do you guys have any experience with just different foods that you eat? You become a vegetarian. A vegan. A vegan. Even. A vegan. Even. Yeah. I mean, it's... Do you uh, eat like what? Not just grass. <laughs> <laughs> grass and water. It's awesome. Like the best thing ever. But the... For me, and, and I think for, for Erica as well, on our own journey through nutrition... Yeah. Um, it got to a point where as we were developing our products and, and getting them out there, our sports nutrition became better than our regular nutrition. And as long as I'm focused, as long as what I'm eating is focused on whole foods, like you're talking big salads, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, like no processed foods, no junk foods, just something that I've made or that Erica has made or that we've made, whatever it is, whether it's a stew or beans and rice or a curry or whatever it may be or a giant salad depending on the weather. But as long as I'm eating whole foods, it's basically impossible to go wrong. You eat as much fruit and veg and beans and whatever as you like, and I, I just don't have any problems. And I noticed just on a, a case study of one, since dropping animal products myself, um, I've found that digestion and, and things like that has been improved even more and has made the whole running thing. And you mm. know, whether you're going to need to stop for a bathroom break or not in the middle of the trail, it's made that a lot more predictable and, and mm. easier to deal with. But in case anyone was wondering about it, the vegan thing is it's a personal thing for me and, and for Erica as well. It works really well for us, but we're not here to bang a drum on it. We we found it to be great, but what we would bang a drum on is people being conscious about their nutrition. So that can be exactly the same as if I eat a hot burrito the night before, I don't run well. Well, if you have this energy gel and you don't feel good, why don't you feel good? You know, If you feel great with everything you're eating and the performance you're getting, carry on doesn't matter what you're doing it's right mm-hmm. if you're not feeling the results you expect or want or need from your diet or your sports nutrition 
consider changing it and get conscious about the results. So that mm. that's a slightly broader point on that. But you know, if you know that burrito the night before doesn't work, don't do it. Hot to trot, Scott. Do you have something on hot to trot? Because I have one more thing on hot to trot. You know, you were asking what I eat. You know, I have gotten to the point where training, I rarely eat anything hmm. before my morning run. And, well, I, and I, I found I, that that works really, really well for me. And I contrast that to when I started running. I got to the point because I thought this was what runners did. I would get an energy gel, rip the top off right after I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. And I down an energy gel before I, you know, at 30 minutes before I would go for a five mile run and think that I needed to have that hundred calories of sugar in my blood. And mm-hmm. so I, I, that's one way that I've changed over the years is, is on a typical morning training run, I don't eat anything. Yeah, good, good. My other comment on hot to trot is when you dress well, you perform well. And we talk about what we put in our bodies, but it's what we put on our bodies sometimes. You put on a new set of shoes, you feel like running, you know, 100 miles an hour. You, you've got the right, your favorite shorts. I mean, race day, don't you always look for your favorite shorts, your favorite <laughs> shirt, your the socks that you like, whatever it is, you just you dress well, you perform well. So and hot to trot. That's probably what that article talked about. Well, you, I, I, one more thing on that. Yeah. We're talking. We're talking. You brought the clothing in. I'm going to bring the heat in. Um, it's hot. You're running. Um, now races an exception maybe, but where do we go on? Do you strip down to just your shorts on a really hot day, or do you keep the t-shirt on? and sweat through it where do we stand on the whole shirtless running or not and for me i think it's location and weather dependent you know so for example the middle of central park in july i feel personally is perhaps the wrong time to be parading around in your (laughs) short running shorts the middle of the trail with your best mate or few friends on a really hot day that's that's all right but i've certainly never found having a a run shirt on in warm weather or particularly hot conditions, marathon to sub, whatever, to be an issue. So where's anyone on that? Just Is, is that another part of this? Hmm. I think if uh, I was built like Gordy Ainsley, I would run without a shirt. Yeah, he does. And I have never run without a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason. That's That's where I stand. I keep my shirt on. The natural gifts that you have are hidden from the world, Scott. It's all in the face. <laughs> all, all the beauty is from my shoulders up. <laughs> well, guys, uh, you know, uh, no, I have I have another hot to trot before we wrap this thing wow. up, and I think Ooh. it's and we very still know what it actually is. I think it's very very <laughs> topical, it's very timely, and that is in the northern hemisphere. It's starting to get into the fall and winter season. I often deliberate in the morning how much stuff I should put on. Because I know that after two miles, I'm not going to need a lot of stuff. But I know for that first two miles, I'm going to be freezing. Do I wear gloves? Do I not wear gloves? And just the other morning, it was really cold. It was like, and when I say really cold, again, this is relative because we're in Northern California. We're a bit soft. Yeah, very soft. It was uh, my, my temperature gauge in my truck said 38 degrees. And I said, you know what? I'm going to wear gloves this morning because there's a l- little bit of frost out there. I'm wearing gloves. Big mistake. Two miles in, my hands were sweating, and it was just. And then I had to carry these gloves. So my question to you is, how cold does it need to be before you put on the extra layers? Or do you just suffer for 
two miles until you get to the comfortable temperature. Well, I had always a problem with that because I'm always cold. But after three minutes, I'm really hot. So, you know, you just start with a lot of layers and then you start to to strip. And and then you don't know where to put all this stuff. Yeah, so you just carry it. You wrap it around your waist or something? No, hold on. I found all my, (laughs) my tricks. So basically, now I know exactly what to do. So before I used to say, I started to put all my stuff here and there, you know, like uh, if you are like uh, like Richmond Park, you just put your stuff uh, close to a tree and uh, to another and then you go back and pick oh, them up. Oh, you leave it. Yes, ah. you have to because otherwise you don't know what to do. Uh, but now that I am my amazing sleeves of a trailer and a nation, <laughs> you know what? I just <laughs> job done. I just put my T-shirt on, uh, sleeves, and uh, and that's great. Actually, it's uh, you start a, you start the right temperature. Okay. But otherwise, it's always a tricky. I always uh, warn you. Always say, yes, yeah, start bold. What do you mean bold? I'm cold, <laughs> so you know it's very difficult at the beginning starting. Yeah. You know, I have found that if it's going to be cold, and if I just crank that heater on on the way there and heat my body up, so it is. It's uncomfortably warm sauna in there. Hot. Sauna hot. Uh-huh. And uh, that's helpful for me. You know, then I get out, I'm, I'm good. The, so then you wear the minimal clothing. I can survive with more minimal. And you can, yeah. you, can, you can survive those first the two first miles. The first two miles or okay. so. But I, I will always rather be um, encumbered with extra gear than suffer for cold. I, I do not like that. Warren, do you have a problem with that with this long shaggy haircut you have <clears throat> that is too hot after two miles? Back, back of my neck is definitely never, <laughs> never, ever cold at the moment. That, that, that's been a great bonus, but it's difficult carrying all the ponytail equipment. There's a bit of extra weight to, to mule there. Um, but, I, you know, I'm getting, to, I'm learning about that. And, and the, the only two things I would, I would throw into the, uh, the, the hot, cold grab bag here is, um, uh, so Don, your, your former employers, the Marine Corps, they're, yeah, they're yeah. British compatriots, the Royal Marines. Mm-hmm. They have a saying, particularly in Arctic warfare training, be bold, start cold. Don't be the person who is going to like need to stop 30 people because you want to take your jumper off. It's not going to happen. So, you know, get to learn what your operating temperature is and then dress for that and suck it up for the first two miles, 10 minutes. You know, you just know it's going to be 10, 15 minutes till the body is warmed up. Uh, The flip side of that, one of my favorite uh, ultra running legends of all time, French runner Sebastien Chenot, Mm -hmm. he said in in a long distance Mm -hmm. race, the first rule of not getting cold is don't get cold. <laughs> okay, so this is the flip side, depending on the conditions, longer race, longer run, whatever. Carry your pack, keep what you need in it, but when you're thinking, I'm cold, but then you're thinking, well, I'll stop at the next aid station to put on my shell or put on my gloves. No. When you're thinking, I'm cold, or the rain's coming in, get that stuff on right away. Don't get cold in the first place. So, Coming at it from both sides there. And that's really a rule for all of ultra running. And if you're thinking you're getting hungry, you, you mm-hmm. first thought of it, it's probably too late, but time to eat. Yep. Don't mm-hmm. delay. Yep. Don't wait to get that aid station. If you think you have a rock in your shoe, take it out because it's only going to grow in size. You know, that little, that little pebble is beca- going to become a larger pebble next to your new blister. So you take care of things early, everything early. If, it's, if you are running too fast, time to slow down now. You know, just recognizing a successful ultra runner recognizes problems early and adapts immediately. That's, that's the key. And as, as Sebastian had said with just cold, I think it applies to everything. Yeah. 
Well, you know, along that same topic, um, you know, we were talking to Warren and Erica earlier. Um, we're trying to eliminate all of the possible roadblocks for you to go out and try 33 Shake. And you were mentioning that you have this amazing deal coming up here shortly. We, Can you tell us a little bit about that? We absolutely do. Funny you should mention that, Scott. Let, let me explain be, a little more. Be bold, Warren. Be bold. What, uh, what we would like to do is to offer free samples of our products to anybody who visits the uh, page that you're going to put up in the show notes there at the end on our website. They can go there. It'll be a dedicated page for Trail Runner Nation listeners. All they'll need to do, put in their email, and we will send them free samples of our products um, because we want to get this product out to more people. And there is a great hardcore that has allowed us to grow this brand, but we need to and would like to be able to throw that net much wider because we're in business to make runners' lives better, to make them faster, to make them healthier, to make them happier. We want to do that for as many runners as we can. And that, that, that is a bold statement because they know that if you try it, you're going to like it. It's going to agree with you. And, and I would say that not only do it for yourself, but tell your friends. Let them know about it, too. You, you know, you, you run with other people. Email it over to them, text it over to them, and let them benefit from this offer as well. I'm, I'm sure there's a limited time for this. Yeah, there, there will be. I mean, there, there has to be a cap on it because there's only so much of this we can do. But like Scott said, the only reason we have a company is because people feel a difference. They've told their friends, we've never had any marketing budget to, mm-hmm. to get to where we are now across 26 countries from starting in our kitchen four, four years ago. 26 countries? It's on sale in 26 countries. Wow. Now. Congratulations it's, to you both. That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a beautiful adventure. But yeah, I mean, share it with your friends. Do what you like out there, but go onto the page. You'll be able to get the free sample there. The only thing we do have to do is a minimal, there will be a minimal shipping and handling sure. fee, but we promise you yeah, sure. that absolutely compared to what you're getting, that's going to be a minimal fee. We can't get around that. The product is absolutely free. You get your hands on it. Try it. Let us know what you think. That's all this is about. It's, it's wonderful always to have you on Skype, but it's delightful to have you in studio. Both Erica Paul and Warren Paul, you two are fantastic ambassadors to the trail, and uh, we sure have enjoyed you being on tonight. Good friends. Yep. It's been fun getting to know you guys. It's, it's always great fun seeing you guys in person, and it's, it's always a great honor and it's such a pleasure to come hang out with you. And, and even Erica, I mean, you know, behind the scenes, she was not saying like, no, I don't want to go do this or anything like that. She was even more excited about coming down tonight than yeah. I was. And I was pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. Thanks so much, guys. That'd be nice. So go out and 33 shake. <laughs> well, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Come on, Scott. <laughs> <laughs>